0: Hello, my name is Professor Fabian Ajogu, Senior Advocate of Nigeria, and today I will continue the reading of my paper titled Ethics, as in the Judiciary, the Substratum of Justice Administration. In the last episode, I stated at the end that this episode will cover principles of judicial ethics. While speaking at an induction course organized by the National Judicial Institute for newly appointed judges, Justice Mahmoud Mohammed, Chief Justice of Nigeria, outlined the core principles, which all judges must possess to enable them dispense justice without fear or favor. Particular emphasis was placed on the strict observance of judicial ethics and code of conduct for judicial officers. According to the Chief Justice of Nigeria, and indeed other legal scholars. The qualities and core values of a good and eminent judicial officer include 1. Independence. In this context, independence means being free any loyalties, duties, or interests that might inappropriately influence the performance of a judicial officer's functions. Judicial independence is not a privilege, but a right to every court user in Nigeria. These cases are dealt with by a court whose independence is guaranteed in qualification, nature, and character. Independence is therefore a core quality of an astute and eminent judicial officer. Judicial independence is not a privilege or prerogative of judicial office, rather it is a responsibility imposed on each judge to enable him or her to adjudicate a dispute honestly on the basis of the law and the evidence adduced. It is important that the judge reaches his decisions without external pressure or influence and without fear of interference from anyone. The core principle of judicial independence is the complete liberty of the judge to hear and decide cases that come before the court. No outsider, be it government, pressure group, individual, or even another judge, should interfere or attempt to interfere with the way in which a judge conducts his or her case and makes his decision. Judicial independence refers to both the individual and the institutional independence required for judicial decision making. Judicial independence is therefore both a state of mind and a set of institutional and operational arrangements. The former is concerned with the judge's independence in fact, while the latter is concerned with defining the relationships between the judiciary and others, particularly the other branches of government, so as to assure both the reality and the appearance of independence. The relationship between these two aspects of judicial independence is that an individual judge may possess an independent state of mind but if the court over which he presides is not independent of the other branches or arms of government in what is essential to its functions the judge cannot be said to be independent to impartiality another important principle of a good and eminent judicial officer is impartiality, which is closely aligned to independence. It lies at the heart of judicial function and it is reflected in the oath of office. All litigants must be treated equally without regard to wealth, influence, circumstances of birth or any other factor whatsoever. Impartiality guarantees the existence of rule of law. If a judicial officer compromises his functions so as to carry favor from the rich and powerful or in order to receive positive media coverage, he would cease to be impartial and would certainly undermine and truncate the rule of law. The Christian Holy Bible in Deuteronomy 16 verses 18 to 20 commands judges to be upright and impartial in their judgments. You shall appoint judges and officers in all your towns which the Lord your God gives you according to your tribes and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. You shall not misinterpret or misapply judgment you shall not be partial or take a bribe for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and perverts the words of the righteous follow what is altogether just uncompromisingly righteous that you may leave and inherit the land which your God gives you impartiality must exist both as a matter of fact and as a matter of reasonable perception. Where partiality is reasonably apparent, that perception is likely to leave a sense of injustice, having been done in any case, thereby destroying confidence in the judicial system. The perception of impartiality is measured by the standard of a reasonable man. The test usually adopted is whether a reasonable observer viewing the matter realistically and practically would apprehend a lack of impartiality in the judge. The perception that a judge is partial may arise in a number of ways. For instance, by a perceived conflict of interest by the judge's behavior on the bench or by the judges, out-of-court associations and activities. The European Court of Human Rights has explained that there are two aspects of the requirement of impartiality. First, the court or tribunal must be subjectively impartial. It is, no member of the tribunal should hold any personal prejudice or bias. Second, the court or tribunal must be impartial from an objective viewpoint. It, est, it must offer sufficient guarantees to exclude any legitimate doubt in this respect. Under this test, it must be determined whether Irrespective of the judge's personal conduct, there are ascertainable ways which may raise doubt as to his impartiality. What is at stake is the confidence which the courts in a democratic society must inspire in the public, including an accused person. Accordingly, any judge in respect of whom there is a legitimate reason to fear a lack of impartiality must withdraw. 3. Integrity Confidence in the judiciary is founded not only on the competence and diligence of its members, but also on their integrity and moral uprightness. A judge must not only be an upright judge, but must also be an upright person. From the public's perspective, a judge has not only pledged to serve the ideals of justice and truth on which the rule of law and the foundations of democracy are built, but has also promised to embody them. Accordingly, the personal qualities conduct and image that a judge projects affects those of the judicial system as a whole and therefore the confidence that the public places in it. The public demands from the judge exemplary conduct which is far above what is demanded of their fellow citizens. Standards of conduct must higher than those of society as a whole. This conduct is virtually irreproachable. It is as if the judicial function which is to judge others has imposed a requirement that the judge remain beyond the judgment of others. 4. Propriety. Propriety and the appearance of propriety, both professional and personal are essential elements of a judge's life. What matters more is not what a judge does or does not do, but what others think the judge has done or might do. For example, a judge who speaks at length with a litigant in a pending case will appear to be giving that party an advantage even if In fact, the conversation is unrelated to the case. As the public expects a high standard of conduct on the part of the judge, he or she must, when in doubt about engaging in an activity, attending an event or receiving a gift, ask the question, how will this be perceived by members of the public? Judges are the subject of constant scrutiny and as such must live their lives with that consciousness. This applies to both the professional and the personal conduct of a judge. The legality of a judge's conduct is not the measure of its propriety. A judge must behave in public with the sensitivity and self-control demanded by judicial office because a display of injudicious temperament is demeaning to the processes of justice and inconsistent with the dignity of judicial office. Social contract between members of the judiciary and members of the legal profession is a long-standing tradition. Judges live in the real world and cannot be expected to sever all ties with it upon their assumption of office. Furthermore, it will not be entirely beneficial to the judicial process for judges to isolate themselves from the rest of society, including school friends, former associates, and colleagues in the legal profession. Indeed, a judge's attendance at social functions with lawyers offers some benefits. The informal exchanges at such functions may reduce tension between the bench and bar, alleviate functions, some of the isolation from former colleagues that a judge experiences upon elevation to the bench, and provide the opportunity for the judges to mentor young lawyers. These the judge must however do in moderation. The judge is the ultimate arbiter of whether he has an excessively close or personal relationship with a lawyer or has created that appearance. Where that line is to be drawn is a decision that the judge will have to make. The test is whether the social relationship interferes with the discharge of judicial responsibilities, and whether a disinterested observer, fully informed of the nature of the social relationship, is likely to entertain significant doubt that justice would be done. Patience. Patience is a virtue. It is an important attribute of a sound judicial officer. A judicial officer needs to be patient on the bench. This will not, however, be an easy task, particularly when listening to implausible evidence or to dubious submissions presented in a case. Natural justice requires that the parties be given fair opportunity to present their cases before a decision is made. Even in situations where a litigant is not represented by counsel, a judge should be patient enough not to be put off by the inability or unwillingness of the litigant to comply with the normal court processes and judicial Directions In exercising patience, however, the judge must not make himself subject to the delay tactics employed by counsel in a matter. Where the judge notices that a litigant is delaying the course of justice, he has the duty to see to it that justice is dispensed with speed. six. Humility. That a judge sits high above others to dispense justice should not give him cause to be proud. Where a judicial officer is assisted by counsel in the course of trial, it is appropriate to acknowledge this at that time or at the end of the trial. Likewise, where a judge has a misconception as to the facts of the case, it is not inappropriate to acknowledge the error and thank the party that clarified the position. Such respect and cooperation strengthen the relationship between the bar and the bench and instills a sense of confidence in the humanity and integrity of the judiciary in the eyes of court users. A judge, while taking authority and exercising control over his courtroom, is not expected to lord himself over others. 7 Curtsy. This is a necessary human quality which is also an important attribute for a judicial officer. The most respected judges today are the ones who are erudite yet approachable. Just as everyone has a right to dignity of his person under the Constitution, everyone who comes before the court is entitled to be treated with courtesy and respect. The fact that an accused person has been charged with a heinous crime does not preclude him from being treated with respect, as even this would be against the presumption of innocence as guaranteed by the Constitution. Judicial courtesy bolsters the authority of the court and ends the respect of the society it serves. That will be all for now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode in the series.